All right, all right. We are ready. We hope you are as well. The Employment Law Show is back for another edition. Our good pal and partner, John Pincus, is here, courtesy Sanfiru to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, doing all the heavy lifting on the show today. As he always does, we got a couple things coming up for you, including everything you need to know about termination for cause. And then, John Pincus, what should I do? We're going into the bag of questions that John gets every day, pulling out a few of those and getting to those, maybe some emails as well. Beyond that, reaching out to John and his team always ready to help help at employmentlawyer.ca then you've got 1-855-821-5900 and also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca which will give you more details exactly what that website is about but the uh, case of the day we'll do a couple of these to get us uh, warmed up john how are you pal what do you got off the top well i'm great and uh it's it's nice to be here talking about the issues that affect us all which is workplace law issues so we'll mm-hmm. we'll get into a couple of these examples and hopefully if anyone's listening on this uh, beautiful morning they'll give us a call and we'll chat about the issues that you're having issues that someone in your family's having uh feel free to call in anonymously use your name use a different name we don't care we're happy to talk to you and that's that's what this show is all about so um talking about a few situations that uh might uh, be familiar to people uh, so the first situation is actually someone who involved who was involved uh, in a long medical leave uh, and ran into to some issues with their long-term employer. Uh, they were on a leave of absence for two years, having suffered severe uh, psychological and physical ailments after contracting COVID, uh, COVID-19 in the early days of the pandemic. Uh, so he'd been on disability benefits until recently, very recently, when he reached the two-year mark. And the disability insurer deemed that he was no longer eligible for the policy because he didn't meet the definition of of totally disabled. Well, the employer was copied on this correspondence. And as soon as it found out, it said, oh, okay, great. Great to hear that you're better. Come on back to work. Well, as it so happened, uh, this employee was not better, could not return back to work, and produced a doctor's note saying that it was strongly recommended that he be allowed to stay home. He sent this to the employer, and the employer said, no, our insurer says you can work, so you can work. And he listens to his employer, and he goes back to work. And they offer him some minimal accommodations, you know, somewhat reduced schedule. But, of course, the return to work fails miserably, right, because this Mm -hmm. is what his doctor predicted. Finally, he calls in sick and says he needs to go back on his leave. The company is contacting him repeatedly during this time, demanding he goes back to work. He submits another doctor's note, says, you know, can't go back to work, too sick to work, strongly recommended he stays home. You know what the company does? They accuse him of job abandonment and terminate his employment for cause. This is someone who worked for the company for 20 years in its finance department, and his entitlements are easily between 18 to 24 months of his pay, which for him is at the high end as much as $180,000. And we're going to help him pursue that. On top of that, he's going to be owed some human rights damages because of the company's failure to accommodate. And again, this is an important reminder we often talk about on this show that your rights under a disability policy, which is a whole different other issue, which we have another show about, of course. uh, But those are not the same as your rights at work. Now, that's not to say that you should not pursue your rights to disability benefits, right? I'm often coordinating my practice with uh, my colleagues at ST Law who practice disability law. But if your doctor is telling you that you cannot return to work, listen to your doctor, right? Chances are your doctor's probably going to know your health better than the insurance company. They're certainly going to know your health better than your employer. 
Well, as you know, we often mention, as as you mentioned on the disability law show, the you know the insurance company's game is to get you off claim uh, with you know with whatever way they can, and this is part of it by cutting you off and not claiming to be totally disabled. Which that definition will cover on a, a different show in a different time. But as you kind of illustrated there, uh, John, the uh, the firm uh, does half and half. You cry right across the hallway. You've got the disability side, and there's so much crossover between the two. Hence the reason why. It's a good one-two punch for uh, curing all of your your issues with uh, either your employer or your disability insurer, so feel free to reach out. John can actually put you in touch with anybody. And a couple lawyers, a few lawyers in the firm actually practice both, so you're in in good hands. What else you got going on, man? So the second situation I was hoping to chat about today is an individual who was working for a company for 10 years as a driver. Mm -hmm. And after he'd been working there for nine years, they told him, well, we have this new pay structure, new organizational structure of the company, so we're going to start paying you as an independent contractor. <sighs> there you go. No more overtime, no more vacation, no more benefits, but you'll get some great tax benefits. So they do this. They don't really give him a choice, so he becomes an independent, you know, quote-unquote independent contractor. I'm using air quotes here. A <laughs> uh, year later, they decide to terminate his contract And they tell him he's owed nothing because of an independent contractor agreement that he was asked to sign. As you can imagine, when I spoke to him, the first thing I told him is this is complete nonsense. He's owed his full entitlement to severance, and he's owed any vacation pay and overtime pay uh, that may have accrued over the year that he was treated as a contractor. A couple important lessons here. Now, while you should never sign an agreement without legal advice that applies to employment agreements or independent contract agreements or anything with your employer, if you have signed one midway through your employment, it very likely may not be enforceable. The other lesson here is if it walks like an employee, it talks like an employee, you probably are an employee and you've got full severance rights, right? If you're going there nine to five every day, you're in business for them, you're working for them, you're directed by them, you're not servicing other clients, you're not negotiating your own rates. Well, you start to look a lot like an employee and the law really doesn't care how that has been reduced to writing. The law cares what you actually are, who actually has control of the relationship. That's what governs your rights here. So if you've been labeled an independent contractor and you've lost your job, uh, you definitely wanna speak to an employment lawyer as soon as possible. And uh, to do that, again, reaching out to John and his team, this is for uh, reaching them, not calling into the show, one 821 5900 for that purpose. Jeff, thanks uh, so much for standing by for a moment. How are you? Hey, I'm okay. Thank you. Beauty. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, a question I have is, if I insist on staying at a company, even uh, even amongst poor performance, would they only severance if they let me go? Um, or would they just say I'm fired because I'm not doing a good job? Right. So you're, the concern here is that they're going to let you go for cause because of poor performance? Poor performance, exactly. I'm not doing as much as I should, you know, something like that. Yeah, so this is this is a very good question and one we talk about a lot. You know, termination for cause on the basis of performance is really, really hard, Jeff. I mean, the reality is, is that um, it, it can't just be based on dissatisfaction. It almost has to be kind of gross incompetence, right? So typically they have to show have a series of warnings and very importantly, those warnings have to be fair, right? So, I mean, it sounds like you are genuinely struggling a bit and, you know, that happens to all of us. Um, and, but that's not necessarily going to be cause for dismissal. It really has to be 
you're, you're just totally, um, you know, not putting in the effort or, or just being totally reckless, uh, with your duties. And, and even in the case, uh, where, uh, the performance reaches that, um, that level of, of real incompetence, you know, it's kind of a, <laughs> an unfair word, but a word that we often use, uh, legally here, um, you may still be entitled to severance, right? Even in the face of some warnings, it may just be less severance. Uh, it's very, very difficult, very difficult uh, for an employer to establish trust cause, particularly on the basis of performance. I can tell you, Jeff, that whenever I'm advising an employer uh, to terminate uh, an employee who's performing poorly, I almost always uh, recommend doing it on a without cause basis because it's just so hard to do it for cause. So if your employment is terminated, for just cause on the basis of performance, please, please give me a call uh, because almost certainly I can help you with that. Um, and in the meantime, um, you know, do your best, obviously, to address the concerns they're raising. If they're raising a concern that's really unfair or incomplete, I I'd put your response in writing, right? You don't have to be antagonistic or combative with them about it. You just say, look, you know, in fairness, here's why this uh, this criticism, I don't think actually think is fair, or, or I think is missing this context, right? And then you can acknowledge the areas where you need to improve. But you, you want to have a voice in this, uh, because that will further make it more difficult for the employer to avoid paying you severance. So again, if you're let go with or without cause, Jeff, uh, you should definitely be giving us a call to make sure that, first of all, that you, that you get a severance package and that the severance package is adequate. Okay, so even without cause, they they should be still required to provide a severance is that am i reading oh that? yeah absolutely i mean without cause they most definitely have to provide oh, yeah. a severance package but then the question becomes is the severance package adequate right? right so for instance jeff how long how long you been there 13 years 13 so, years and what and what's your job not terribly long uh it's 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 actually computer work it's data data entry data work yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, d d you know, depending on your and, and how old are you right now? Forty. Forty. Yeah. So, I mean, in the circumstances, your entitlements could be anywhere between, I'd say, kind of nine to twelve months pay. Wow. Um, so, yeah. 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 It's, it's significant. Right. And, you know, we'll have to look at any employment agreements you've signed and all that. But all of the things being equal, your entitlements could be up to nine to twelve months pay. Uh, so that's why, you know, if you, if you get a severance package, uh, we want to review that for sure. Um, so okay. you, you have rights here, Jeff. Um, uh, you know, it's unfortunately we can't stop your employer from letting you go, but if they do let you go, I want you to give us a call, uh, because that's, this is exactly the kind of situation we're here for. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's, and there's more to the story. So once I give you a call, <laughs> we can talk about everything. Thank you very much. Okay. That sounds it, great. Jeff. My pleasure. Appreciate it, pal. And uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, I see another call coming up. Anthony, stand by. We'll get to you and you as well. In the meantime, Jeff, and for you, you want to reach out afterwards to John and his team. Have a chat, uh, a lengthier version of what you just heard on the radio. Get some answers, right? That's how it works. one 821 5900 Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca, but we'll continue. More Employment Law Show is coming up. And uh, yeah, welcome back. And today, as always, in fantastic hands with uh, partner John Pincus. He is here courtesy of Samfiru Tamark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Reach out to John or a member of his team. He's always got people standing by ready to help you. For more information, by the way, you can use this website absolutely free and anonymous, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. A few minutes ago, we were talking to uh, Jeff and 
gave some quick details to John. Now, John can do it in his head and get a pretty good estimate as to what severance that Jeff would have been owed, but you can do the same thing through your phone, your your uh, tablet, or your keyboard at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca because wrapped up into that handy website. Again, free and anonymous is the severance pay calculator used by over 2 million people. Severance pay calculator at uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But I digress. Anthony, thank you so much for hanging on through the break, fella. How are you this morning? Hey, very well. Thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You bet. What do you got on uh, What's on your mind? Okay, so I'm calling on behalf of my wife, really. Um, and the question is, like, she's worked for a doctor for over 35 years. In essence, she's been, like, his right hand throughout all this time. She does everything in the office for him. Uh, he himself has had some health issues in the last couple of years. And about a month ago, he gave her notice that come January the 1st, he is closing his practice. So my wife is getting different opinions, you know, from everybody. Everybody knows everything. But, you know, some are, no, you're not entitled to anything. He's just a small guy, a little operation. Some are telling her that she is entitled to severance. Um, so I'd like to know the truth. Like, is she entitled sure. to something or not? Uh, glad you called, Anthony. Certainly I can I can answer this for you today. So just to be clear, January 1st, are we talking January 1st, 2023? Yes, correct. Okay, and she's been there for thirty-five years. Yes, correct. And and her role is is is. Uh, does she have like a title there? Uh, she's office, she's office administrator. She does everything for him. Does the buildings, the appointments, uh, the scheduling. Uh, yeah, like everything. Okay, well, here's the legal reality of this situation. Um, it is legal to provide severance by way of working notice, right? So in this case. Um, he is giving her, and, and when did he give her notice, by the way? Yeah, probably, uh, I'm going to say in July. July. Okay. Yeah. So the months of working notice that he has given your wife count towards her severance. So the question isn't whether he's allowed to do this, but whether that period is adequate, right? So we've got J- uh, July, August, September, October, November, and December. Um, but uh, the question is, after 35 years, you know, is six months going to cut it for someone who's worked in that position? Uh, and, and the answer, all of the things being equal, is no, absolutely not, not even close. Okay, I'd say that um, uh, at a minimum, uh, your wife is probably owed up to uh, a year of pay in addition to this working notice. Um, and could be owed even more than that. I mean, the the applicable severance entitlement here is anywhere from 18 to 24 months. Okay, so six months notice um, is certainly something that's counted towards her severance, but it's not enough. Um, So I would strongly recommend that she give us a call. This is a really straightforward matter to resolve. Uh, She's been there a very long time. Uh, She she is owed more than this, quite a bit more than this. Yeah, you know, she feels like a certain relationship with him and doesn't want to stir the pot. But, you know, it's not six months, two years, three years. It's been her whole life has been working with him, you know. Yeah, and it often makes it often makes sense, although we don't always do it this way, but it, it can sometimes make sense to wait until the working notice is over to deal with it um, okay. so that she's not dealing with it while she's currently working. So um, she has two years from the date she was given notice, and she was given notice last July. She's got plenty – this past July, she's got plenty of time. Uh, so there's no reason why we can't talk about it now, Anthony, and, and make a plan, but we don't have to necessarily act on it while she's still there. There's, there's ways we can okay. do this that are – are comfortable uh and and this is not 
the the kind of negotiation that tends to be acrimonious. It really is. You, you got to look right. at it as a business negotiation, right? She's right. put in this time. Uh, she's yeah. going to need time to find another job. And, and that's what this is about. Right. Would he have had to give her um, any indication that he was going to give severance? Or because that's what's causing all this. That he didn't. He hasn't said anything as of yet. That you know, I will pay you this much, or I know you're entitled to this much. Should he? Is he obliged? Like, should he have said something? Well, um, I mean, it would be it would be helpful if if he was intending to pay her something in January to know what that is. So that's another reason, you know, it it may make sense before taking any action to wait to see if something additional is offered in January. You know, strictly speaking, there's nothing illegal um, about giving notice and then later on telling someone that they're going to get additional severance. Um, so there's, I wouldn't say that's like foul play or anything like that. Um, but typically, if there's going to be a severance package offered at the end of the working notice period, we'd expect that to be uh, advised at the beginning. So um, probably he's not planning on doing that. Uh, but you can always wait and find out uh, before we take any action. But definitely, at least uh, by January, if not now, I'd, I'd uh, you know give us a call so we can uh, so we can plan for that. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. You know, Anthony, it's uh, it's funny. It's as as you started to describe your uh, your situation. It's like this, you know. Swap out the names, and Anthony and I are the same person. I have a a, a family member, no names mentioned, who is going through the exact same thing. Thirty plus years, you know, ops manager at a dentist doctor's office. He just shut down, and he's mm-hmm. she is working with a colleague of yours, John, and getting this matter resolved, no problem. It's amazing. You can't blame mm-hmm. doctors for this. I mean, they're 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 great health practitioners, but when it comes to the business end, they don't know nothing. And that's the problem. So this is like the millionth time I've heard this happen with somebody in the uh, in the medical medical community, as far as you know, someone who's an office manager, so on and so forth. Because my my sister in law is going through the exact same thing, man. Like same years, same everything. So, you know, fear not, reach out. Right, these matters are easily uh, easily handled by uh, by guys like you, Johnny. So I'm sure you've heard about a billion of these too, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, it's it's really uh, <laughs> let's not pick on doctors here. It's really no, no, all small so. business. It's mm-hmm. all small businesses. Um, and I can tell you from from having worked not only on on the employee side of this, but on the employer side of this as well, that, that they're certainly not doing this on purpose, right? They're they're not doing it uh, to try and mess around with anyone's entitlements. Uh, like many employees, a lot of small employers genuinely don't know, right? They mm-hmm. genuinely don't know what the obligation is, uh, and they're trying to do right by their employee, uh, but there is a legal requirement, um, especially with someone with a very long year of service. And, and, and so often this is, you know, when I get involved, it's an education process uh, and having the credibility of a lawyer come in there and be able to educate uh, these small businesses on what their obligations are um, can be a pretty straightforward process. Yeah, you got it. Again, uh, reaching out to John anytime after the show to uh, discuss a matter possibly of your own. In a personal nature, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is how that works. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's get into our uh, topic for the day, pal, as we get into uh, to more of this show. Everything you need to know about termination for cause. There you go. Good uh, good way to segue into this. What is termination for cause? I mean, you and I know, but and, you know, people who have been listening to this show would probably know as well, common vernacular, but uh, break it down for us, pal. 
Right. Well, we had a great call about that earlier today from, uh, I think it was Jeff, right? Jeff, uh, who yeah. called about, uh, uh, you know, worrying about a termination for cause. And, you know, for the vast majority of people, this is not something you're going to have to really worry about. That's not to say that your employer won't allege just cause, but it's a really, really difficult thing for them to establish. Uh, they have to establish that you've what we call repudiated the employer relationship. Basically, you've shown that you're not interested in living up to your side of the of the bargain, right? Which is you come into work, you do your duties reasonably competently and professionally, and they pay you for it, right? So just like a constructive dismissal, if they show that they're not willing to, to do it anymore, you know, by changing your job or changing your pay, then it's over and they've terminated you. If you uh, have done something that shows that you're really not interested in being part of the employment relationship anymore, then you've ended the relationship and it's like you quit. Uh, so we're, it's really reserved for the worst kinds of misconduct, right? We're, we're really talking about theft, fraud, uh, really serious dishonesty. Uh, typically, it's not something like performance, uh, you know, one negative interaction in the workplace, um, uh, even insubordination. I mean, if it's serious insubordination, that certainly can be just cause for dismissal, but not all insubordination is going to be just cause for dismissal. Uh, there's often lesser penalties the law recognizes that uh, are available to the employer. Maybe they can just give you a warning, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, I'd say the vast, vast majority of the cases uh, where I see termination for cause, and I've really seen some some quite absurd allegations <laughs> of cause uh, and, and every level of gradation, uh, typically this person is still going to be entitled to severance. And the rule here that we always talk about is just because the employer says it does not make it so, right? So that's that's, right. that's the one of the most important times you got to give uh, an employment lawyer a call to find out have you actually been properly terminated for cause. Now, if I'm an employer listening to this, I'm thinking, well, how difficult is it to establish termination for cause? Well, it really depends what the situation is. You know, if you've got a video of your employee with their hand in the till, yeah, you can probably terminate for just cause, yeah. right? But if you've got an employee who's just not getting along with people or uh, you, you thought was really irresponsible and screwing up something at work um, or, or maybe was even insubordinate in one instance, I would be very careful about terminating that employee for cause because if you terminate that employee for cause and the circumstances are, are extreme enough, you may be responsible not only for their severance, but the court could also hit you with additional damages. You've got to do that with the help of an employment lawyer uh, or you're going to be hearing from an employment lawyer. So you got to get ahead of it and, bef and ideally before you make the decision, you speak to someone. Well, I mean, that's often the case we talk about in the, you know, the expression you use is, you know, they, they pull the trigger on a termination way too early when they think they have cause. And then that's when they get into some hot water, right? That's right. So, you know, if you want to be able to uh, allege just cause, you've got to make sure you get your ducks in a row. You've got to often it means doing an investigation. Sometimes it means doing written warnings or even a suspension. Um, sometimes it means just not alleging just cause because, believe it or not, there are other ways to lower your liability here. Again, you can do with the help uh, of an employment lawyer. You can do things to help that employee get back on their feet. That's actually one of the most effective ways uh, to lower your exposure here. Another reason why it's so important to speak with an employment lawyer to find out what strategy is going to work for you. 
We'll take a short break, get into more of this topic. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and a website you can use anytime free, anonymous, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We continue. This is the Employment Law Show. All right, all right. We are back at it. Good to have you along with us. Yep, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. But we'll get to uh, to Mark, who's been standing by. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks. Yourself? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind, brother? Uh, commission salesperson. Uh, do you get a small salary? resigned i gave three weeks notice that same day they told me don't come back again so number one i'm guessing they owe me three weeks of some sort of pay um if i gave three weeks notice uh two i had 82 point some odd hours of vacation uh showing on my pay stub um i'm wondering how is that vacation hours calculated as far as pay goes Okay. So, yes. So, Mark, in in answer to your question, and an employer can decide to uh, waive the working notice of resignation that you give. uh, But that is, it's kind of like a termination when they do that. So, they have to give you the lesser of what they would owe you in termination pay or your uh, resignation notice, right? So, if if you've given a, a really long notice of resignation period. You know, let's say I'm resigning in three years. Well, they don't have to pay you three years pay. Uh, if they waive it, they just have to pay you what, what like a normal termination pay. But if you've given them three weeks notice, um, and uh, by the way, Mark, how long were you with them? Uh, 10 months. 10 months. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say certainly they have to pay you something. I suppose arguably they don't have to pay you the full three weeks notice, but they certainly have to pay you something in lieu of that. Um, and uh, I, I would certainly argue that they have to pay you the the balance uh, of that three weeks notice. Um, in terms of your vacation, uh, because you'd been there for uh, for 10 months, I, did you just have the standard two weeks per year? Uh well, to be honest, there is no, it had to, must be more because uh, there is no employment contract to state anything. Um, well, but, uh, on my, on my pay stub, it did say that I had vacation hours was 82 point some odd hours. Now, if I was there for 10 months uh, and I accumulated more than 80 hours, it's more than two weeks. So the, the, the issue here, Mark, is that all of the things being equal, you have to have worked for an employer for a year um, to, um, be, to have vacation pay, payable to you. Now, that, that can be different if the employer has a different vacation entitlement year, um, <clears throat> and it can be different if you have something in your contract entitling you to vacation earlier. So a lot of contracts have prorated vacation entitlements. Um, but that's that's a little bit more of a thorny issue. Um, you may want to actually uh, speak with the Ministry of Labor about that. Um, vacation pay is one of those issues that they can help with. Uh, but you may find that you're not entitled to it just because you hadn't finished that first year. And again, typically, uh, not in all cases, but typically you have to finish a year of employment before you're actually entitled to get vacation pay. So if you've only been there for 10 months, you, you may fall a little short of that. Okay, I, I do understand that. They, you know, but it, it, again, it is on my pay stub. And they mm-hmm. did end up, they did end up giving me something because I called them on it after my last pay stub, uh, mm-hmm. paycheck. Um, and they gave me something. And the pay stub they gave me is ridiculous, showing that they paid me for 200 and some odd hours of vacation, but it was peanuts. 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they gave well, me that, something, but not even equal to eighty-two point whatever hours that I, you know. Yeah, well, if if you're really hitting a wall with them, Mark, uh, this is exactly what the Employment Standards uh, Department of the Ministry of Labor is is there for, right? It's typically very, very straightforward. You can often resolve it even without a lawyer. Um, and uh, it's it's when we're talking about vacation pay, that's often the most economic way to deal with it. So I, I'd, I'd recommend you push on them first, you know, before you 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 know you take that step. But it's a pretty simple thing. You can look up online that to submit uh, an employment standards complaint about your uh, vacation pay. Um, so I would uh, that's certainly where I would deal deal with that issue. All right, great. Well, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Uh, any other questions going forward uh, with John, you can ask those. one 821 or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back to the uh, thing we were talking about before, John, to get us uh, back into that. Everything you need to know about termination for cause. We had a uh, caller earlier that was uh, his wife had been with a uh, medical office for 33 years and not offered any severance. Is the length of employment a factor in termination for cause? I would imagine it would be a big one, right? It is. It is. I think it was actually 35 years. Uh, was it? Yeah. Not, not, not that it makes a huge difference at, at that uh, yeah, length of call. tenure, but no, absolutely it makes a difference, uh, particularly when we're talking about things like uh, performance criticisms, you know, someone is saying you, you did something irresponsibly at work. Uh, making a mistake in the workplace is almost never just cause uh, for dismissal. But especially if you have proven yourself over a long period of time, it doesn't necessarily need to be 35 years, you've been there 20 years, 50 years, even 10 years, I would argue, uh, is a is a, certainly a long enough period that you should be given more leeway than uh, someone who's who's been there for a short period of time. Uh, so regardless of the tenure, there's going to be certain things that are almost never going to be cause uh, for uh, termination, like, you know, honest mistakes and, and uh, you know, disfa- unsatisfactory performance. Uh, but other things, you know, if you have like a blow up at work that, you know, would potentially be significant enough to be serious for a short term employee, or you've done something, you know, a little bit more egregious than a simple mistake at work, you're going to be given a lot more leeway if you're a long term employee. Now, it doesn't mean you want to go ahead and do those things. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a long term employee, you still want to avoid doing it in the first place, of course. Uh, but if it's already happened, uh, and you're being and, and your employment has been terminated for cause, or you think that's on the way, um, don't be shy uh, about about speaking to an employment lawyer because believe me, whatever whatever you've done, chances are we've probably heard worse. Uh, so give us a call um, and know that you are entitled. Uh, your, your entitlements are all the more likely if you've been there for a longer period of time, even if it's not. It doesn't necessarily have to be thirty five years, right? You got it. Uh, we're talking about uh, everything you need to know about termination for cause. You know what? I'll get one more of these in quick before we break. And uh, a question people often ask, if they, especially if they haven't heard much of this show in the past, do you get severance if you were fired for cause? Again, that's one of those depends legal things, right? Yeah, it, it, it depends. And so, <laughs> you know, maybe another way we could pose this is we could say, do you get any severance if you are properly fired for cause? And the answer for that is, is no, although even that is complicated because you may still be entitled to your minimum severance, even if you have been properly fired for cause with respect to your full entitlement. So it, it, it can get complicated, but generally speaking, um, if the employer has alleged just cause, uh, does that mean you're disentitled to severance? No, the employer has to establish just cause. And guess what? It's their 
burden to prove that, right? So if it ever goes in front of a judge, the question is not, can you prove that you didn't, uh, that, you know, that you weren't guilty of this or that this wasn't serious enough uh, for just cause? The employer has that responsibility. So if, if you've been guilty of serious misconduct, particularly if it, it involves a, a dishonesty or, you know, deception of your employer, then yeah, yeah. You're, generally speaking, you're going to receive zero severance in that case. In fact, you may even be denied employment insurance, all the reason to, you know, behave at work the best you, you got can. It. You got it. Um, but if you have not been, if you've been improperly terminated for cause, you can be entitled to severance. And in, in certain extreme circumstances, there may even be additional damages owing. All the more mm -hmm. reason to be careful if you're an employer with this kind of thing. Help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We'll continue the employment law show. Hang on. Yeah, we're back. John Scholes here along with John Pincus, Sam Firu, Tamarkin, LLP, representing partner of that particular firm. After the show, anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca and one 821 5900 is the way to uh, to do that. We're talking about everything you need to know about termination for cause. People often talk about chances, you know, how many chances should an employee get? And I mentioned earlier, John, and you've said several times on this uh, on this show in the past that employers tend to uh, pull the trigger a little a little quickly on a termination for a cause. So when it comes to how many chances, uh, ballpark it, what do you think, pal? Right. Well, uh, you know, speaking of ballpark, you know, given the just the prevalence of baseball analogies, there's mm -hmm. this common misconception that there's, a, you know, three strikes, you're out. And, right. and, you know, in some cases, three warnings may happen to be uh, the right amount. A lot of disciplinary policies say three warnings, but there really is no <coughs> set rule. Um, it, it, it's, it's a contextual approach, right? You know, how have you responded to previous warnings? Have you improved when you've been warned in the past? Uh, which is, again, another reason why to really engage with your employer when they give you a warning. If the criticism is fair, uh, then then show that you can deal with that, that you can respond to that. Because if they warn you again, um, they're not going to be able to suggest that you're totally incorrigible, right? It's going to show that you really you really do care about these things. So you, you, you get... Um, you know, as many chances is necessary to show that there's still hope for the employment relationship. Um, so you definitely want to respond to these things. But, you know, it would be a huge mistake to think, well, I got three strikes, I guess I'm out. You know, this is not a baseball game. Like, this is your mm -hmm. livelihood. This is your employment and this is your severance. Uh, and the only person who's going to be able to establish uh, whether you have been given enough, you know, quote unquote, chances uh, is an employment lawyer. You, you often talk about, you know, building a case for an employer as opposed to just saying, no, we don't like it, fire for cost. You did one thing, out you go, here's your hat, what's your hurry? But, uh, you know, how does an employer, for those listening, how do they build a case to uh, terminate someone for cause? What's the, uh, what's the length of that? Well, you know, typically the way that you, that you do that is you start with performance improvement plans, you give warnings. Um, you, uh, you know, you tell them that, uh, you know, what the consequences are going to be if they continue it and you, you monitor and you gather the evidence, but I'll tell you, John, what I, what I honestly tell all my employer clients who are thinking of terminating for someone for cause and want to give warnings. You know, the first question that I ask them is, you know, is this, is this someone that you 
genuinely want to keep on your team or are you just looking for a way to get rid of them because if you're just looking for a way to get rid of them it may actually be cheaper to terminate them without cause and pay them severance than to keep them around and pay a salary to someone who you don't want that right you got to think does that really make any sense for you which is again why it's right. so important to, to to really talk these things through with an employment lawyer because i can tell you john that most of the time that an employer comes to me wanting to terminate someone for cause you know we walk through the logic of it and it turns out it makes much more sense to terminate them without cause, right? It's a lot less acrimonious. It's a lot less bitter. Uh, you know, the uh, it's 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 a lot cheaper. Uh, so, you know, the first question is whether it makes sense to do this. But if you really want to give that employee another chance, you really are hoping that they'll improve, then you just have to show, you just have to document what you're doing to show that you're really giving them another chance. So if it comes to the point where you're really at you're at the end of the you know the end of your your rope with it uh then you can say well yeah we gave them a chance we gave them um uh you know these warnings and we told them what the consequences were going to be yeah again just building a case takes some time but to your point it's uh, it's always worth reaching out regardless before it can get expensive and uh turn into a hassle for uh for an employer to do that by the way reach out to john one eight five five eight two one. 5,900. Mixed bag of questions and emails uh, we've had, John. And first one is this. I've been placed on a temporary layoff with no set return date. What are my rights? How many times have you heard that in the last two years? Yeah, yeah, qu quite a few times. Uh, you know, if you've been placed on a temporary layoff, the starting position from that is that it is a termination without cause and you get your full severance. You know, a lot of people get confused and they say, well, but wait a minute, I looked it up online and it says they can lay me off for 13 weeks in a 20 week period or 35 weeks within a 52 week period. That is true under the Employment Standards Act. But all of the things being equal, your employment, your rights under the Employment Standards Act are not your full entitlements. And your full entitlements are to receive severance if you haven't agreed to be laid off. So if you've been laid off, you want to do something about it and you want to do something quickly. Now, is this something that you should attack right away, like with the, the, the day you're put on layoff, say, no, 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 I know you can't do that, and I'm going to call John Pincus, or how does that, how do they, uh, how do they uh, go about doing that? Well, you certainly want to give us a call right away. You want to speak to an employment lawyer as soon as it happens. You may not need to act within a day, uh, but you certainly don't want to let, uh, let that to linger uh, because I mean for uh, you know for one thing the sooner <laughs> the sooner you get started the sooner the uh, we can act on it but generally speaking um, it's always better to act uh, sooner than later it's going to just be much simpler uh, to enforce your entitlements an employer can put less roadblocks in your way and you know often what happens when you wait uh, to act on a layoff is you know you end up having conversations with your employer during that time and the employer tries to argue uh, that those conversations are um, you know akin to you giving them permission in writing to put you on a layoff typically that's not actually the case but it's just right. making things more complicated than it needs to be right so that's why it's always better to act quickly and if the situation arises where you've been put on a layoff, but uh, you didn't really like it, but you, you decide to suck it up, got back to work, and then they put you on a layoff again, now is when you stand up and say no. That's a problem, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's not necessarily an insurmountable problem, but it's not yeah. ideal, right? Because what your employer is going to say is, well, you were on a layoff, you came back, you had no issue when you came back, now we're putting you on another layoff. You know, this is just like last time. What's the big deal? You've, you know, this is this is just the way things work. We put you on layoffs. Now, I, I still argue in those cases very strongly that that doesn't give them permission to do that. But why, you know, why risk having that issue? You know, if this is something you're not prepared to deal with as a term of your employment, uh, speak to an employment lawyer so that you can, you know, communicate to them that you want to make that clear. One minute to go. I'll give you a quick email from Ida. Says received a bonus for every year I worked. My employer just fired me before the bonus became payable, and said I don't get the bonus if I'm not working. Is that true? It's not true unless you've agreed to that in writing. If you haven't agreed to that exact circumstance in writing and the law requires an employer to be very explicit about this then you are still entitled to that bonus uh, this is something that you should not try to figure out on yourself on your own because if you have if you do have an employment contract we're going to need to review it to see if that language is going to hold up but all of the things being equal yeah you are entitled to that bonus even uh even though you were let go before you uh before you got it so give us a call and that is about it for uh, today's show. John Pickett's awesome as always. Reaching out to John now if you need some more advice or to just simply get in contact, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address, and then any other matters, including reach out and severance pay. Want to figure out what that is? Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show.